Welcome to the show. I'm Greg McEwen, and I'm your host on the What's Essential podcast. There are lots of shows on how to improve, on how to become successful, but there is only one on what to do once you are. This is essential because success can be a catalyst for failure, especially if it leads to the undisciplined pursuit of more. This show is about how to become successful at success. It's for high performers who are on the edge of exhaustion. It's for people who struggle with the curse of capability. It's important because what got you here is not what's going to get you there. So if you're a driven, hardworking, productive person who is running out of space but still wants to make a higher contribution, the What's Essential podcast is designed especially for you. So let's begin. John Hope Bryant. Hello, hello, Greg. How are you? This is awfully good to have you here today. Uh, I want to call you like Dr. Hope. You, you, I need you to have a PhD so I can call you Dr. Hope. Well, I've got a couple honorary PhDs, but just call me John. I love that you have the honorary degrees because that's how I want people to know you. Dr. Hope, amazing story that you have. What, a, what an extraordinary thing. Uh, raised in Compton. Yeah. Uh, life totally transformed, really, from a seed, uh, uh, an intervention, nine years old, taught financial literacy. And from that point, this expansion of possibility, and you've just done so much with it, built 70 organizations across business, community outreach, and also, of course, this juggernaut Operation Hope that is empowering people in exactly the way you were empowered at nine years old, helping people to be able to make these transitions towards financial literacy and the enormous empowerment that can come with that. It is a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Greg. My honor to be, to be with you. You've got an excellent reputation. Uh, and so I'm, I'm honored, to, honored to lean in. Well, lean in is exactly what we're going to do. And here's, here's how I want to do this. It's a little different. And if you're game for it, uh, I would like to ask you maybe a couple of unusual questions. And we'll get to this great work that you've been doing eventually. Are you game for that? Uh, sure. Here's what I want to do. I want to ask you a question. And I just want your first thoughts on, the, uh, on, on your answers. And, and we'll go on a journey together. I want you to tell me something in your life right now that is really essential, highly important. It matters to you a great deal. But if you're honest about it right now, you have to say, I'm, I'm under-investing in it. It doesn't have to be something that you don't do anything of, but you just feel like deep down, I'm not giving this the amount I wish I was because of how important it is. What's your first thought when I ask you that question? Rest. Yes. <laughs> okay. I, t- tell me a bit more about that. I, I just think that the moment right now really matters and it matters to be to be uh fully invested in it uh, all in to find a way to say yes to as much good stuff with good people as you can not drawing a parallel in any way here but people relate to dr king so i'll say that he did a you know 2600 speeches over 13 years traveling six million air miles um it wasn't one glorious moment with one speech somewhere, or one march, it was 13 years of parent-teacher night and boring staff meetings and countless plane flights and 
frustrations and disappointments and people disrespecting him and not giving him his just due uh, and uh, playing games with him and making promises and not keeping them. And he just never gave up. He, it was unrelenting and it was a total commitment. And I think that we, history doesn't feel historic when you're sitting in it. It just feels like another day. But that doesn't mean that the moment you're sitting in is not, in fact, historic. So if you're sitting in historic moments, what are you going to do about it? And we have this global economic crisis. We have, we have a pandemic that's global. We have, as a result of that, an economic crisis that's global. And now you have a social justice issue that needs to be addressed and dealt with. It's 400 years old uh, that has never been healed. Uh, and it's also global, the largest protest in world history. And so rest is just not very high on the priority list at the moment. You, you know, let's quote my friend Quincy Jones, you can rest when you're dead. I mean, I'm getting enough rest, getting sufficient, barely sufficient, but sufficient. But, you know, the work, the work's important. You've got to lean in. Well, here's what I hear in you. I hear this mission, this, this is so vitally important to take advantage of this moment to, uh, to, to fulfill your mission, to be able to make the, the fullest contribution, the highest contribution you can, you're inspired by. Uh, Dr. King, by his relentlessness, by what he was able to, this is on the one side. And then there's this awareness, uh, although in some ways you don't really even want it to be there uh, because it doesn't seem as important to you, but there's this awareness that rest is something also that's vitally important. And maybe you're getting enough, but really, you know, maybe not quite enough. That's what I heard you say. Yes, of course, but that's that's the fight for balance uh, in life. And but the Bible suggests your reach should exceed your grasp, and the the, and the Bible also su- suggests that where there is no vision, the people perish. It's it's a parable of life. Like you wanna you wanna rest and you wanna end your work at, at five o'clock and all that kind of stuff. But you know, people who in their day at five o'clock don't change the world and and are are off, are rarely able to uh, impact. Um, uh, systemic, systemic change. You gotta, you gotta be all in. You gotta be all leaned in, a hundred percent. And a hundred percent, you know. I mean, an entrepreneur works eighteen hours a day to keep from getting a job. It doesn't, it doesn't apply. It doesn't matter what you apply it to. It, the rules of physics apply. That you, the more you lean in, the more it's compounding interest, compounded interest, compounded hustle. Balance matters too. You got time to read a book time to listen to a book, time to spend time with your family. It's just that, you know, every moment matters. Every moment counts. I can't waste moments. I can't waste time. If I had an option between more time and more money, I'd say, give me more time, I'll make more money. But you know, much better this than saying I'm bored. I don't even understand what that, what that phrase means. Yes, you, you've not experienced that. That's not your reality. That's not your norm. You have been on a mission. You've been on fire for all of these years. But there's something interesting in what you're saying. I think there's a belief, there's an assumption, it's pretty deep in what you've just said to me, which is that is the feeling that the only way to break through to the next level is more hustle. And, 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 so, and so I want to try and explore this a little more because, because, frankly, the whole basis of essentialism is that there is, in fact, an alternative path. There may be a way to break through to a higher point of contribution through a different approach. And so I want to explore that with you. Uh, and, and the way I'd like to explore it is this way. 
when I ask the question, what's essential you're not investing in, you say rest. Why does the rest matter so much? What is at stake for you in getting sufficient rest? You want the rest because you want the recharge. Look, I'm not tired. I'm just exhausted. If I was tired, uh, that means I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. If somebody's listening to this and they're tired, then they're, they probably need to quit their job or quit their relationship or uh, quit their way of life and go find something else to, re, to re-inspire them. I'm not tired. I'm just exhausted, which means I do as, long, as much as I can, as long as I can. And my brain gets mushy, gets weary. It's, it gets unsharp. My writing, I can't trust because I'm not using all of the endorphins in my brain to kick, to reinvest in myself, to recharge, to so I can be re-inspired, so I can be rebooted uh, and reset in the movement for the next the next day. And I, I've had to learn the hard way that sometimes you just need to go sit down somewhere. I don't necessarily believe in vacations, but I believe in retreats. So I'll retreat a couple times a year for two or three weeks and go read a book, sit on the beach. I'm, I'm still working. Uh, well, other people call it work. I don't call it work. I'm still reading, reading, reflecting, staying up to date, responsive to things that are urgent. Um, but it's all about, I mean, God didn't put you here to come here and chill. I mean, this is, we're at war down here. I mean, this is a war against good and evil. And there's three things in the world. Uh, and and there's, there's, you know, love is work. Non-love is laziness. Anti-love is evil. Evil exists, but it's just very rare. Most people are just lazy, actually. Emotionally lazy, financially lazy, physically lazy, spiritually lazy, intellectually lazy, morally lazy. Uh, they just don't want to do the work. They want somebody else to do the work for them. That's not the way, the, that's not the way, that's not how change happens. You, you can't subcontract your democracy. You can't subcontract your courage or your responsibility. You can't raise your children by email. Anger is not a strategy and frustration is not a business plan. Can't point fingers at someone else to solve your problems. That's winning a battle, losing a war. Something you just said there a second ago is, you know, you're saying, hey, I'm not tired. I'm exhausted. I'm, you know, it's clearly possible to be both exhausted and exhilarated. And that's what you're no saying. No doubt about it. I'm not, I'm exhilarated. I'm, I'm all, I'm pumped up and ready to go. I woke up today and yesterday a little worn for wear. So which means it means it's about time for my retreat in a few weeks to go just sleep for three or four days. But, you know, typically I, I don't want to go to bed and I can't wait to wake up because I'm so excited about all that's going on and making a difference. And I don't want to let the moment and my responsibility to others who don't have my voice and don't have my, my Rolodex and don't have the can't get people on the phone like I can get on the phone. I don't want to let my ambassadorship on behalf of the people go to waste. I relate so much to what you're saying when your mission is so clear, when it's aligned so well with your your passion, with your talent in this case. You 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 want to be doing this. This is what you came here to do. This is what you want to be doing. But you said something else a moment ago that got my attention. You said I've learned the hard way that I have got to recognize when I'm getting to that point in a day where it's it's beyond even diminishing returns. At first, the mission is so important, so vitalizing for you that you want to give every ounce. It's almost like you're really saying, Greg, if I could 
if I could just skip sleep, I'd skip sleep. If I could just do no sleep and it wouldn't affect me, I'd do that because that's the level of mission I feel. But now in that scenario, sleep is almost the enemy. Rest is all, it's just the, it's a necessary evil. But in listening to you talk about what you've learned over time, suddenly I can see that rest is absolutely critical to the mission. It's a mission critical element, not a necessary evil. If you get beyond a certain point, at first it's a little fatigue, then it gets deeper. Eventually you can be on the edge of burnout or in fact burnout altogether. Suddenly you say, the mission matters so much. I, I've got to operate in a way that I can never burn out, no matter what comes up. And that seems to change the conversation, at least for me, a little bit. Your thoughts? Uh, yes, plus. Um, I'm saying more than that. I'm saying that the conscious mind um, is what you do. You're conscious when you're awake. And uh, that's when you're talking. You're pouring into the world. But the unconscious mind, in my opinion, is the mind of God. The unconscious mind feeds you. You're feeding the world when you're talking. The unconscious mind feeds you when you're sleeping and when you're resting. That's why meditation is so powerful. I mean, meditation is a form of rest. Um, reflection is a form of rest. Uh, yoga is a form of rest. Um, in, a, in a strange way, exercise is a form of rest. It's a form of renewal, which is a first cousin to rest. So I'm going to go out this weekend, hopefully, uh, and go off-roading. I, I, I have a full competitive racing license on-road, and I have a, and I just got some off-road vehicles. So I'm going to go off-roading. Well, that's a form of renewal for me. Even though I'm, ex even though I'm exerting myself, uh, I'm also renewing myself. Uh, I'm using different muscles. I'm not using intellectual muscles. I'm using intuitive muscles. I'm not using mental muscles. I'm using physical muscles. I'm... Uh, breathing, not air conditioning. I'm breathing God's air. I'm communing not with people on Zooms. I'm communing with nature. I'm not in charge of anything, whereas in my daily life, I'm in charge of too many things. It's a, it creates a humility. It renews the humility, the balance. Going back to that word balance. This episode is sponsored by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. So whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system, whenever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. So sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, which is your AI-powered all-star. In my experience with every business that I have built, including this podcast, there are breakthrough moments, and those moments are often the result of finding the right partner. And I think that's a way to think about Shopify. 
because no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greg, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greg now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash greg. There's something else you just said. You gave some great examples of some renewing activities through your life, but then you also upped the ante about sleep in making it a divine experience in saying it's not just even physical renewal. It's actually a place where you're going to get fed insight. Even if you don't wake up knowing what it is, you know that that process is restoring you more than physically. It's restoring you spiritually as well. That's what I heard you say. Again, I think there's something coming out of this conversation where rest is more than, I mean, we could say it's a necessary evil, then we can say, well, maybe it's helpful in maintaining the energy to uh, to succeed at the mission. But now there's another element here, which is actually, it's divinely given. It's part of, it's, it's a direct part of the mission. That's what I just heard in you, which is, again, a little different than where we began. Thoughts? Uh, yes, more. So I believe um, that we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. I believe that we are spiritual beings having a human experience uh, and that energy matters. Connection is everything. The, most, the greatest compliment in that regard is if you tell somebody else, I see you. You're, you're saying I, 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 you physically, but your soul, your spirit, I'm looking in your eyes and seeing your soul, I can feel you. We, we then realize we're not Chinese and Korean and American and Nigerian and Mexican. We're just all, we're not white. We're not black. We're not Republicans. We're not Democrats. We're, uh, we're God's child. We're one family. We just happen to be separated by historic shifts in tectonic plates that moved uh, continents into separate pieces, separated by water. If you step back from the globe, you'll see that those plates fit back directly completely because they were once one. It was mankind that created countries and cities and provinces, not God. We're all one. 99.9% .9 of all human DNA is precisely the same. Racism's stupid. It's scientifically stupid. So we're, you know, why am I darker? Because the sun is more direct in Africa. Why, are you, why is my lighter? Because the light, the sun is less, less direct in Europe, which is where Europeans hail came from, and I'm primarily from Africa. But when you look at my mixed-up DNA, God has a sense of humor, 71% mm -hmm. uh, Cameroon DNA, African, 26% European, white, the rest is Asian, Indian, and others. We're just sort of all looking for love in all the wrong places and so, to a certain degree having uh, variations of stupid conversations, and we just need to knock it off. You're saying there's a lot of noise and clutter between people uh, that that's 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 just so useless, unhelpful. Uh, but I think the connection point that you were making was between uh, this idea of not only is sleep a spiritual experience, just life is a spiritual experience, and and that's how you're seeing. That is how you're seeing life is as a spiritual mission, 
to be able to bless God's children. That's what I hear. Yeah. He gave, he put us here to do good. He put us here to save this planet. He put us here to, 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 to be mature, to be thoughtful, to be, to be responsible and to fight against evil. And the, the battle is already stacked. It's, it's, it's been designed for us to win because darkness only has definition because of light. Badness has failed goodness. Are we just getting up and going to work and, you know, having dinner and having fun and going to sleep and getting up the next day and doing the same thing? Or does the universe know your footprints? Does the universe know you were here because you leaned out beside yourself and leaned into someone else to help them stand up? Uh, what have you done for somebody other than yourself? This is what's going to help the world remember you. I do see this in spiritual dimensions. It's not some heavy thing. I just think, to me, spirituality is sort of like math. Math doesn't have an opinion. It's just It just is. And I think spirituality just is. I mean, Love, charity, compassion, joy, tolerance, voice, you know, dignity, fair play, empathy, love. You can't, you can't touch these things, but they're everything. But the things we obsess about are the things we can touch, which, will have, which have little meaning without the, the meaning of the things that you can't touch. <laughs> yes, and it, it seems to me that if you, if you can take highly enthusiastic people and just make them just do a bit more than they're actually being asked to do today, a bit more than they're supposed to do. I don't mean someone who's, who's lazy, isn't doing anything. I mean somebody who's already enthusiastic. The word enthusiasm, of course, comes from the Latin en and theos, meaning en is within and theos is God. So enthusiasm means God within us. And, and that's what I hear in you as you describing it that way. And I wonder whether it's a, it's, it, it would be quite a clever approach to say, take that enthusiasm. Don't stand in his way. Just say, keep running. Keep going beyond the right limit, beyond the, the wise approach. And so with that in mind, I, I wonder, what's the delta for you? Like, originally you answered this question with the word rest. What, how much more rest would help you to feel like you were you were sort of back in just in that prime sweet spot. I don't get the sense it's a huge difference for you, but there's a, there's a certain amount. What is it? How much more is it? Is it is it X amount, half an hour more sleep per day, an hour more sleep? Like what is the delta that would help keep you in your prime peak condition? Uh, well, I mean, it's either uh... – uh, it's either an hour more sleep or it's two more two hours worth of uh, additional wellness. So I do both. Uh, you know, it's about renewing your body and your soul and your spirit, getting yourself in better shape, getting yourself better with a better diet, getting yourself with a bit clearer head, getting the, the toxicity out of your life, moving the toxic people out of your life, and not having stupid arguments with stupid people about stupid things, stepping over mess, not in it. It's about it's about clarity of thought, clarity of vision, clarity of mission. Uh, it's about smiling, laughing, having light moments. Uh, it's about reading. It's about reflection. And that you do all that, you probably require less sleep. If you're depressed all day, you probably need more sleep. If you, in fact, if you're depressed and distressed all day, you probably want to sleep all day. I like being stretched. Even now, what I hear is a sort of resistance within you to go, I don't know about this extra hour. I probably need it, but I'm not sure I want to do that because the mission is so important to me. And that, that's what I hear is this, this tension between it. On the one hand, you go, I can feel 
the strain being probably a little too much. But on the other hand, you go, but I'm not sure I want to give it up. I'm not sure I want to give up an extra hour of doing the work for an extra hour of sleep. That's what I hear. Well, again, it's more. It's suffering for the good. That you know, there is no growth without legitimate suffering. I should be uncomfortable, Greg. I should be a little a little exhausted. I should be a little worn out. My reach should exceed my grasp. I should be challenged. I should feel a little guilty. I should feel a little responsible. I mean, I'm sitting here. I mean, I grew up in Compton, California, South Central. Anybody who does any research on me knows my story. I was homeless six months of my life, you know, witnessed two deaths, murders before me. I was nine years old, you know, all that, all that, all that. All that. It really frustrating uh, upbringing, homeless, all that. But today, I'm, I'm flossing pretty well. I mean, I'm sitting here in my 13 acres with a, a trail in the back and I got a family and, a, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a stable environment and I'm not worried about a meal every day. I mean, I should I should be uncomfortable. Because so many people are not comfortable. I think when people say, oh, I'm just comfortable, I'm like, well, are you bragging about that? I mean, get to work, be uncomfortable, extend yourself, help somebody else. You know, I, I just, I think too much, too many of us are comfortable. We are sitting in our comfort zones. Nobody changes when they're comfortable. They change when they're uncomfortable. But it's all that, that constantly your reaches should exceed your grasp in a way that is meaningful. If you're extending yourself in a way that's selfish versus selfless, you're not going to get a return on that investment. If you're extending yourself in a way that is transactional versus relationship, building relationship capital, you're not going to get a return on that investment. To me, I just see life as a series of software upgrades, but you're building on something that has a foundation that allows you to rest on it so that when you get up the next day, the wall is taller. The wall is thicker. The wall is more firm. You're building something. You're not treading water. My rest is different, and at least for me, it's a, and it's and it's tied to me catapulting myself to a software upgrade. Well, what's the upgrade in that metaphor? What what is what is the upgrade? Better, stronger, wiser, bigger ability to scale, bigger ability. When I have a meeting now, the meetings I had today, meetings I had this week. Any one of these meetings could could change the landscape for 100 million Americans. Any one of the meetings I've had this week. Yeah. Well, you know, five years ago, I might have had one of those meetings in a year. Ten years ago, I had one of those meetings in a decade. Twenty-five years ago, I never would have had one of those meetings. Mm -hmm. You're saying that cumulative addition, that little bit better day after day, it hasn't just worked in a linear way. It has multiplied itself many times over, and you're just starting to see even – some of that exponential curve. And that is why I stay up so much and why I want every moment to count because I think I'm at that deflection point. I'm, at a, I'm close to it. I can smell, feel, taste. I'm at a tipping point. And that's exactly when you should be running out of gas, by the way. Yeah, what you're, what you're saying is that in, in this moment, you know, some moments in life, it's okay to be imbalanced yes. in short term to be balanced in the long term. I'm saying that you're, right now I should be imbalanced. Yeah, you're saying that you won't get this moment again. This is a unique moment, and 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 you need to be fully here so that it, you can make the contribution that is possible, possibly only in this time and season, this unique, perfect storm that is happening all around you. Well, for me, I'm on, this, is, this is only my answer. It's nobody else's. What I'm saying is 
if you don't know what you're willing to die for, you aren't fit to live. Uh, I'm saying that you've got to overcome your, to quote Dr. King, your fear of death or your love of money. You got to overcome it in order to be free. And you got to walk, you got to run into the burning house, not away from it. And that has to be instinctual, impulsive, and immediate. It has to be who you are. You got to become reasonably comfortable in your own skin. And that comes with a series of software upgrades that comes with time and wisdom experiences and from leaning in. How does somebody manage this so it isn't addiction? Being a workaholic could match all the descriptions you've said, even in the name of of very worthy causes. Somebody could burn themselves out unnecessarily, unwisely. How does somebody get the right balance? You can't burn yourself out if, if, if enlightenment comes from within you. Again, we I think people are looking for love in all the wrong places. You've got to become reason. This, this is just my view. You got to become reasonably comfortable in your own skin. If I don't like me, I'm not going to like you. If I don't feel good about me, how am I, how am I going to ever feel good about you? If I don't love me, how do I even have a clue how to love you? If I don't respect me, don't expect me to respect you. If you have confidence, which is how you lean into the world, that's because you have competence. And if you have a hole inside of your self-esteem, you can work yourself into oblivion because you can become a workaholic in that example, because you're trying to constantly prove something to the outside world. But so you, you, you're happy when somebody celebrates you. You're unhappy when somebody criticizes you. That's a prescription for insanity. But joy comes from the inside, Greg. You'll never be unjoyful. You can be happy and joyful. You can be unhappy and joyful. Once you understand what joy is, you'll never be unjoyful. I've had many days I'm, un- I'm unhappy, many days where I'm saddened by what happened, many days where I'm disappointed, many days where I'm frustrated, disappointed in myself, but I'm not unjoyful. That light inside of me, that illumination, the, the, the wisdom, the, the reasonable, comfortable and comfort in my own skin of loving myself whole and complete, warts and all, it's constant. Yeah, it's not dependent on the public victories or the public noise or the public criticism. It's something internal. The light is from within and, 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 and is, uh, is able to propel you forward. I'm really one for self-actualization and self-reliance. I don't rely on other people to do anything for me other than light the fuse. Uh, I believe in the James Brown version of affirmative action. Open the door, I'll get it myself. And I've been that way since I was a kid. My mother told me she loved me every day of my life. I have to give her credit for that. So my self-esteem came from her doing that. But uh, all I remember is this this banker lit my fuse. And I was done. I, I went home and opened up a dictionary. Back then it wasn't the internet, the dictionary. And looked at the word entrepreneur, a French word, create value, something from nothing, you know, and uh, build wealth by creating something the world's never seen before, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, I want to do that. Self-reliant, you know, self, self-employed, create your own income, create your own enterprise. My God, that that's me all day. And that was after learning the word entrepreneur. I mean, that was a preceding thing you learned the word and then you were like okay i'm going to try and figure out how to do that thing and so this after you touch this after you taste it as soon as somebody's been an entrepreneur when they're young as soon as they can feel the power of seeing a need 
buying the product or the service, giving it out. As soon as someone's experienced the end-to-end thing, I think there's no going back. Correct. You say you say this this is the way to do this. This is this is the the way up, the way out, all of it. The a rubber band once expanded never returns to its original size. There's obviously a connection for you between that first experience, both with the banker in school and then the first business. And of course, there's a whole journey in between. But if you fast forward that to the start of Operation Hope, you are trying to do for other people what that banker, in a way, unintentionally uh, did for you uh, by bringing financial literacy. Uh, to to people who otherwise simply won't won't be given that knowledge, that understanding, and therefore have those options. Precisely right. And and what do you see as the primary things, the most essential things to teach to someone, whether they're in an inner city area, which I'm sure is the primary kind of target group, but for anybody who's trying to teach, I mean, you've, everyone wants to teach their children basic financial literacy, uh, what should people learn first? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That you are somebody, that math is not having an opinion, that anybody can raise their credit score. Ultimately, the color is green. So whether if somebody's discriminated against you because you're black or Latino or white or poor white or you're female, you can level the playing field uh, with green that uh, anybody can build, um, that anybody can master compounded hustle. Everything around you is a financial transaction. Everything around you involves economics and money, and you need to master it, and you can. And you put the same energy on that as you do on dating somebody or what food you're going to eat tonight, what music you love, what sport you want to master. You put as much energy into economics and the sciences and that, you'll become the NBA of finance, uh, the Michael Jordan of finance. It's just math. It's, it's straight ahead. It's doable. It's achievable. And everybody else has, a, has who has used this model around the world to uplift a race or a people or a household is work for them. So why can't it work for black people, as an example? Of course it can. We just have never tried it at scale. Yeah, you're saying that the other interventions that have been made have generally not emphasized this. And, and you're saying this is actually one of the really important things that of course, worked for you, but you've now seen it work for many, many other people as you've extended these programs into, uh, you know, into millions of people now that you've been able to impact. You say, look, you've got to actually teach this process. You've got to teach this information. You cannot take it for granted that people know this stuff. Uh, and all they need is the traditional subjects in a school that isn't going to do it. You need to actually teach financial literacy. Otherwise, people will grow with a sense of, 
where you're either rich or you're poor and there's nothing you can do about it. Yes. And they're worse. They'll assume that the game is rigged, rigged against their success. Because if people think I'm smart, if I'm not successful, then that must mean you're a crook. And it may just mean that just what you don't know that you don't know that's killing you, but you think you know, that you thought you understood this game, but actually you were never taught the game. Yeah, it was something that something that's so powerful in what you're saying is that in any in any relationship, there's really three people. There's person A, person B, and then the system. And in this case, you're saying if you don't know there's the system, or you believe the system is inherently out to get you, then 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 you will be at a disadvantage because you think the whole thing is deliberately trying to get you. And you distrust people, yeah. you distrust systems, you distrust institutions. You're saying all of that can be minimized, all of that can be uh, can be reduced, or at least, or even eliminated by simply teaching people how to play the game. Absolutely. That's why that's why we focus on hope inside. That's why we focus on raising credit scores. That's why we focus on creating homeowners and small business owners at scale. That's why we have offices in 25 states now, commitments in 25 states for 156 locations and growing. That's why we want to become the Starbucks of financial inclusion. That's why we want to become the Walmart of economic empowerment. That's why we want to continue the work of Dr. King of 1968 and the Poor People's Campaign. And more notably, the Freedmen's Bank of 1865 from Abraham Lincoln, because the memo has never been given at scale to people, to African-American people in particular. But the Native American Indians never got the memo. Poor whites never got the memo. It's worked for everybody else. But but people who were never taught to be industrious, never inspired to have their self-esteem enriched, never taught the math of how the money works, how wealth, income inequality, sorry, wealth, uh, entrepreneurship. If you haven't been taught that, yeah. then, then, you know, you, you're at such a disadvantage and you can go through not just one lifetime, but generations of believing yep. that not only there's nothing you can do about it, you're just stuck. It's like you, you are going to be pushed down. You're going to be oppressed. And, and you're saying that, that there is a way to solve this. You've just got to not assume that people know this and they're just choosing not to do anything about it. Uh, correct. You're going to be more than oppressed. You're going to be pimped. I mean, if you go into in the inner city neighborhoods today or poor white neighborhoods, uh, you see a check cashier next to a payday loan lender, next to a rental home store, next to a title lender, next to a liquor store. They're all just preying on on folks who uh, never got the memo. There's a... Um there's a family that I've spent some time working with who would fit the descriptions you're, you're, you're laying out. And one of the things that, that I have learned, but also have wanted to point out to, there's a team of people around them trying to help is that, is that they will not make decisions. This family that we're, we're trying to support will not make decisions the way that the people trying to help them will make decisions at first because they they simply don't have the options in their heads once you learn these things once you have some financial literacy you you just know there's uh, possibilities that didn't exist before uh, I, I know there's a there's a book that I was just reading that's uh, it's it's talking about the rust belt uh, and and the 
these generations that have been left behind us is hillbilly elegy. Uh, that's the and yeah. and yeah. In, in that he talked about how it was only as he went into the military that they literally took him through a set of processes that included going and buying a car because he went and he he just I think he actually bought it or he was about to a twenty one percent interest rate you know whatever I mean he had no idea at all that really what an interest rate was or that there were there were options or it could be negotiated or different places would offer different amount. I mean, he just didn't know that. And for someone who does know that, it's so like, uh, it's like fish discovering water last. They just understand that. And they just sort of think everybody understands that. Well, if you have not been taught it, and if you're in a community or an environment where no one around you knows it, and all of the institutions, exactly as you're describing, are not teaching you that. In fact, they are, as you say, preying on your ignorance that you don't know it, well, you, this can go on for generations. And, 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 and of course, this is what gives you such fire for the deed is because you know, you know, here I have, so to speak, the cure for cancer. And, and, and here I see people still dying of cancer. I have got to do something about this. I will. I will do something about it. Amen. You, you remind me a little of... Um, of William Lloyd Garrison, uh, who wrote poetically, beautifully, in the first edition of the anti-slavery paper, The Liberator. He said, I am in earnest. I will not equivocate. I will not uh, take back a single step, and I will be heard. <laughs> This is the fire that you are operating with. This is what it's about for you. This is why you cannot rest. This is why I will get just enough rest before I get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, what an interesting conversation. I so applaud what you're doing. Uh, I, uh, how, for those listening that want to support and help with Operation Hope, what, where should they go? What should they do? Uh, they can go to operationhope.org. Uh, and uh, make a contribution to our work and become a member of Operation Hope uh, at operationhope.org. They can, if they don't have money, they can make a, they can go to hopecommitments.org and make a commitment to teach financial literacy in their school, mosque, synagogue, boys and girls club, church, neighborhoods, neighborhood, whatever, um, club. They can uh, make a commitment to mentor somebody intern somebody, apprenticeship for somebody. You can design your own community uplift commitment at hopecommitments.org. The easiest thing is they can sign up to our newsletter uh, at either operationhope.org or johnhopebryan.com or just follow the social media handles of Operation Hope and John Hope Bryant on all channels. We have about uh, 2 million followers I do on social so far in the last three years or so and about 100 million video views of the videos I try to do every week to empower people. It's sort of like an open source university. And we'll soon have a Operation Hope channel where we will domicile a lot of the data, the analytics, the articles, the uh, podcasts like this, interviews that we do uh, uh, so that there's a one-stop shop for everybody who needs to be inspired on a daily basis. John Hope Bryant, I am uh 
trying to christen you Dr. Hope here for the great work that you're doing. Thank you so much for being on the Essentialism Podcast. My pleasure. God bless you. Thanks for all, thanks for all that you do to uplift humanity. Ladies and gentlemen, essentialists, one and all, we've come to that moment again, the end of the show. Thank you really sincerely for listening. It's been amazing to see what's happened already with this show. The show has become, in fact, the top 3% of podcasts globally within just the first five months of its launch. And that's because of you. You have made this special. And I want to end, as I always do, reminding you that if you don't do anything else, just ask what's essential and eliminate as much as possible everything else. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.